0: Welcome to Quotable, a female millennial entrepreneur podcast, the show by and for female millennial entrepreneurs who are building and running thriving, successful businesses while living life to the fullest. I'm your host, Alessandra Polina, owner of Quotable Media Co., a PR and media company. After nearly 10 years of building a PR agency, I've learned a lot about business and entrepreneurship, but the most valuable things have always come through conversation with other women who have been in it too. And I want to share all of that with you. So sit back, fill your coffee cup up, and listen in. All right, I'm so excited to have Christine here today with me. Christine Resendez is the founder and CEO of Social Thrive, and I'll let her explain a little bit about what that is. Um, Yeah, and then I want to tell a little story about how how we met. But yeah, Christine, thanks so much for coming on here, first of all. Today, I feel like I've been talking about having you on this podcast for
1: literally ever. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me, Alessandra. I really appreciate it. and I know we've, we've known each other for quite some time. Um, if, you, if you'd if you like, I can give like a quick rundown on Social Thrive.
0: Yeah, tell us what Social Thrive. Sorry, I can't even talk. Tell <laughs> us what it is, um, what you guys do basically just like in a quick version of that and then we'll back up and talk about some history and, and dive more into building the business a little bit later.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Social Thrive is a full-service digital marketing agency. Uh, And what full service means is that anything in the digital marketing uh, and advertising realm we can handle. So that means Google Ads, uh, paid social, website development, uh, social media, of course, graphic design, um, and anything that would entail, you know, online marketing, that's what we do for our clients. Um, We do our best to keep everything in-house as well. Um, we service right now, a good percent of our portfolio is actually in commercial and residential real estate. Um, we have clients nationally, but our home base is definitely Boston. We have some satellite offices in uh, New York and in Miami and LA. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of a a quick rundown.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's perfect. That's great. And one of the things I love about you is you've been in business for as long as I have (laughs) and you've been doing it a while, right?
1: Yeah. Yep. Since 2012. Um, yeah, you and I met around all, yeah, right around that time. And we were, um, I think trying to figure it out together.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah, I want to, and I want to like mention that too, because, well, I'm hoping this episode is going to come out somewhere around the anniversary of this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. which oh, my. I think, wait, is it three years? I'll have to look that up. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> that sounds outrageous, but I feel like I've already done a two-year anniversary episode, so I don't think it can be two years. I think this has to be three years. Anyway, I felt like this would be a good conversation to come around around the anniversary of the podcast anyways, because, like, yeah, we met for the first time, I think, when we were probably first in, like, in, like, our first couple years of business, and I want to tell that story a little bit because it's basically, like, you were one of the first, like, business people that I met, like business owners, who was also like a young woman, we were both only a couple years out of, like, yeah, like a year out of college at that point, right? Mm -hmm. And or two, well, a year out of college, when we started our business, I guess we we probably had been in business for like, at least a year before we met, but I can't remember exactly when we first met. But someone introduced us who I had gone to high school with, and you had gone to college with. Mm -hmm. And He was like, you guys both, I just realized like both of you live in Boston now and have kind of somewhat similar businesses just in that we were both like in the marketing space and at the time worked mostly alone, right? I mean, you had maybe some other people on your team. I was totally running everything as a solo like shop at that time. I hadn't hired anyone else yet and like, had nobody ever to talk to about stuff. Mm-hmm. So he was like, you guys should get together. And we just like did. We like went on a blind date, I feel like, <laughs> like a <laughs> blind business date and like met for coffee and just talked for such a long time about like business and what we were dealing with and working with clients and all of that stuff. And that was really where if anyone has listened to like the first couple episodes of this podcast, I've talked about it before, but I started a group for female millennial entrepreneurs in Boston. Kind of like shortly after that, that was like what first kind of like piqued my interest in that. I was like, wait a minute, this was really awesome to get to talk to somebody <laughs> was like going through it too. Yeah. And I didn't know anybody else who was like in that situation. So I started a group for in-person networking, like kind of based off of that conversation that we had. And then, Like I've explained before that this podcast kind of came out of that too, because um, Mm -hmm. yeah, eventually I was like, I wish we could share these conversations wider and like share these people's stories more. And it started out the first like couple episodes of the podcast were people that I met like all through that group before deciding to take it even, even beyond that. And now obviously we interview people from all over the world, but like, I feel like everything came from that first Mm -hmm. coffee meetup that we did just me and you.
1: Absolutely. And we've done a couple of, I we've well, we've done coffee meetups, you and I, for, I mean, obviously, before, mostly before the pandemic, but, yeah. you know, every time we would get together, it'd be like, you know, you know, how do you set this up? Or, you know, what do you think about this idea that I have? And I think I remember, you know, in the beginning, maybe like, you sent me a presentation, I took a look, like, it's just helping each other being, you know, whether it's set up, like, how do you invoice? Or, you know, do you have this constant issue with your clients, too? So it was more kind of like soundboard, like, uh, sounding yeah. off, or however you say it, this like, you know, bouncing things off of each other and just like figuring out, you know, figure, figuring it out together and like just common experiences and
0: and helping one another. Yeah. And I feel like we were always kind of, yeah, just sort of along a parallel path in terms of like, I don't know, you dealing with really similar things in a similar stage of business. So it wasn't like, you know asking someone who's already been doing it for 10 years and it's more of like a mentorship situation or asking somebody who's like just started and you're like feeling like I probably already know more than you it was like we were really like along the same lines and it just felt like yeah I've always felt like I could just like really ask you anything or like talk about anything and like no pressure or like fear of you of like being judged or anything of like I don't know I always feel like we've had a really open and like oh yeah open honest conversations about stuff and it's really been refreshing so thank you. <laughs> no, thank
1: you. I've I've always thought it was so helpful, and you know I'm very glad to have met you early on, and glad that we continue collaborating too. Yeah, After and hey, look at this—we're on a podcast together. It's great.
0: <laughs> finally, I know, and I can't believe we haven't done it sooner. But I, <laughs> we should have like. um, i feel like i should have focused this conversation like around the power of like connection and having that kind of like relationship in business or something but um i didn't really think about like steering the conversation really any way with you i was just like let's get on and talk and and hear about your business so um i would say that's probably like the overarching theme of our Mm -hmm. relationship, though so maybe if there's anything somebody gets out of this episode, it's to find somebody like that, which is something I feel like I've talked about a lot in terms of just like finding people like that in your business, I think can be really helpful. And don't be and don't be afraid
1: to like like you said, like zero judgment, ask a question, even though because in the beginning, like obviously now you and I have 10 years of, you know, the business experience and managing a business. But I think in the beginning, it's always going to be like that imposter syndrome thing where you're starting, you, you know what you're doing, and yet, you know, and I don't know if this just stems from, you know, you know, being a woman or what have you, trying to figure things out and not being sure of yourself maybe in the very beginning. So don't be afraid to ask questions. There's no there's no stupid questions. Um, it, if anything, I'm sure like a hurdle that you've faced, maybe someone, a peer of yours, maybe recently faced or is also facing. So there's no reason not to ask questions so that you know, everyone's here to help each other, you know, get better. So
0: yeah, I think that's a really good point. Like, that's one thing we always found, right, is like, Mm. anything that you were dealing with, I also had some experience with, or like, you know, even if it wasn't like the issue at hand for me at the moment, it was like something I had dealt with, or at least thought about, or, you know, had to do something around and vice versa. So it was never like, oh, you're dealing with that thing. Like, I have never had to think about that before. Like we always had something to talk about for uh, for any topic that the other one brought up because just, yeah, the situations are so shared. And again, maybe partly because we're both sort of in like the marketing field, but I don't necessarily think so. Like I think, I mean, of course people with like a product-based business or, you know, a brick and mortar business might have like different situations that neither of us have dealt with personally, but for the most part, like, I think it was kind of general enough stuff that like, we're both like anybody yeah. I mean, other people are definitely in the same boat as you. So.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's back up
0: for a little bit. Let's tell people, um, who haven't met you before, like, how did you actually get started? Obviously we've talked about how we met, like shortly after we started, um, our businesses, but tell us a little bit about what the actual journey of starting the business was like for you, how you got started, why you started your business, that kind of stuff.
1: Absolutely. So, um, back in 2012, I uh, just had gotten my master's degree in, in marketing and in digital media. So, um, I have kind of like that jack of all trades background where a little bit of web dev, a little bit of graphic design, a um, little bit of entrepreneurship. So, um, kind of luckily, you know, got a degree that kind of encompassed all of that a little bit. Um, but of course, you know, 2011, 2012, that was the really tough time to get a job, but I was lucky enough to, um, start working at a startup uh, in Cambridge, ran by Harvard and MIT grads. Um, so it was great in in some aspects, uh, but it was also long hours, very competitive. Um, and I did learn a lot about digital advertising, analytics, business development. And as you might remember, Alessandra, in that point of time, there wasn't really, a, it wasn't really like you couldn't go to school for like certain mm-hmm. things that we do. There wasn't really a, like a digital advertising you know, school or, or major or anything like that. So, a lot of thankfully, a lot of what um, I got hands-on experience uh, was just literally at my first job. So, I did learn a lot about the digital advertising and kind of just the whole world and connecting that with the uh, graphic design and web dev and marketing that I had learned, you know, in school. Um, but of course, you know, I was on the a little bit on the verge of burnout because it was a startup and. Um, when, when it's your first job, you know, I grew up in a a household that, you know, when you work, you are all in, you know, you live and breathe this work and that's the only way you can kind of get out of your situation. So I worked, I worked, I worked. And then I definitely started thinking to myself, um, you know, if these people around me are only a couple years older than me and they created a business, um, you know, why can't I? So after working, you know, my bum off, I was thinking you know there's got to be um a way for me to utilize the skills that i have um and be my own boss um so i think that's where i started thinking you know i'm building right now at a startup i was building something for somebody else Mm -hmm. and working my my bum off for somebody else and i learned a lot but after you know three years you you know you realize you know maybe this is not where i want to dedicate my time maybe i want to build my own um and be my own boss um so that's kind of where that started while I was at that, um, at that company. Um, let me see. Um, and so like the journey itself too, um, it has been super rewarding. Um, but it also has like anyone can imagine starting a business is very, very stressful. Um, I always like to tell people who want to think about, or who think like they say, Oh, you work for yourselves. And they think it's like all kind of beautiful and roses. Um, and, and I tell them, you know, there's just different types of stress, right? Yes. Um, so, like in our journeys, I feel, you know, we're always plugged in. Maybe we're always more worried about, you know, our staff and making sure that, you know, they're, they're, we're always continually successful and growing as a business and that we can make payroll, things like that, that, like, you know, you can't sleep at night. You know, I can't clock out at five o'clock and take a break and maybe, un, you know, completely unplug. I can't do those things. But there are pros and cons. So, if someone asked me, you know, would you ever go back to, working for someone else, I I would never, I could never go back to working for someone else. So it really just depends Um, you know, I encourage everyone to do whatever's right for them, but they just have to realize it's, you know, when you start a company, you are living and breathing and you might not have a boss per se, but your clients, depending on what kind of company you run, your clients are your bosses. And right. so it's not- Like having yeah. several bosses and stuff. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, a, it's just like a different type of work, but it, you know, it comes with other- pros. So I always try to tell people the journey, you know, will be rewarding, but it will be very stressful at different times. Um, and, you know, if that's something that you you're okay with, then, you know, go for it, try it, take the risk.
0: Yeah. And, and you've, I feel like some of the pros that you've taken advantage of are like things like being able to travel a lot and live in different parts of the world and whatever. And just really, I feel I like I think of you as someone who seems really in control of your time, even though like, I know, like all the things you just said about <clears throat> you know, you don't exactly clock out at five o'clock and all of those things, like you're kind of always on, but at the mm-hmm. same time, like you've been able to have different experiences in your life. I feel like that's like as an out, as a somewhat of an outsider. I mean, that's what it's looked like to me. And um, yeah. that's there, one of those Yeah, perks. yeah I agree. And, and if you,
1: yeah, if you have that, and I think it especially, um, you know, especially in the line of work we do where you do have to be plugged in quite a bit I think if you're good at time management and if you're able to plan ahead quite a bit with what you're doing, then when you do have, you know, a last minute thing that comes up or a fire, it doesn't kind of blow your day up. You you know, if you can plan in advance and do a lot of what we do, um, in an in independent way like a proactive way then you can take advantage of that you know um and i've had in some instances better than others but i have been able to um take advantage of that and do different things with my time um or yeah you you like you you hit on the head my um my partner you know he had to move a lot for work and so i go back to boston and i'm in boston based quite a bit but i do have to kind of you know go where my partner is so um, that means a lot of time in miami right now um, but in the past that's meant a lot of time in California which you know is difficult with juggling the time zones that, mm-hmm. the east coast and west coast time zones but um you know i think i think if you plan ahead you can make it work and i have not ever had an issue with anybody on my team or clients you know being like where's christine yeah. <laughs> because yeah. i'm always there i'm
0: always communicating yep Yeah, Yeah. as long as you're getting everything done and you're, I think, yeah, communication is key. Like, they're not like, oh, like, where have you been? Like, so-and-so disappeared. Then no question and nobody, nobody really cares, like, where you physically are when this Mm -hmm. kind of work, when everything can be done remotely. So yeah, I think that's definitely like a huge, I think that's something that people see sometimes as like the biggest perk for, like, I hear a lot of people say they want to work for themselves or start their own business because they want to be location independent. And I think that's like huge for people a lot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And that, where, so when you, f- like, were first starting, or or even now, I guess, um, where, like, where did you find those first clients when you are first getting started, I guess? Because I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to start my own business, right? But then right, you don't really have a business until you have a full roster of clients, kind of, right? I feel like that's, like, sort of how I look at it, is, like... Yeah. That's, that's the hard part. It's not, the hard part is not setting up a website and like announcing that I'm doing these services. The hard part is finding clients or sometimes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and to be, and to be honest, so, um, that first kind of leap of faith with, uh, social thrive, um, we, it was, it was originally kind of like, okay, let's send out a couple emails to family, friends, people we went to college with, but you know, I'm not, and I'll tell you this, my team knows this. I am not a salesperson. That's not my thing. I'm an expert in my field. So when I'm, you know, talking to people, I approach it, especially if it's friends and family, like I don't want them to feel pressure at all from me because I'm trying to start a business. It has nothing, you know, no pressure on them. This is, you know, my, my baby. So when I would talk to them, I just, you know, it was about: Do you know anyone that you think that that you think could benefit from from our help? You know, t- talking to them a little about what you know what we're doing. And we started off, to be honest with you, we started off with very cheap and or free services just so we could build our portfolio. Um, and so. A lot of our clients at that point were mom and pops because they, you know, they all needed help and they all had no budget. So they it was really, you know, it was a, re- a really good kind of exchange for services at that point. Um, and to this day, we do still have a lot of our mom and pop clients on our roster, which is really interesting because we have a very diverse portfolio, but it really means a lot to us to keep connected with those original people, um, businesses, small business owners that gave us that chance in the very beginning. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, But when we're giving cheaper free services at this point, um, me and my former business partner, we still had full-time jobs because it was a risk and we had to counterbalance that risk. So we would both work at night, both work on the weekends um, and to a point where um, we, at some point we both quit our full-time jobs and had still had part-time jobs to uh, supplement that income. I did not I definitely did not come from a place where I had freedom to quit a job that was something that was not super common. I'm first generation immigrant so it's one of those things where you can't you can't just be like, "Hey, I'm going to quit my job and have no safety blanket." You can't do that. Um so these kinds of risks risks were just something that I felt more comfortable planning a lot ahead and planning and kind of just overworking and making it happen. Um just because you know it just it's not easy just to say, "Hey, I'm going to quit my job and and start a company knowing not knowing whether it would succeed or fail. So we kind of did, um, thankfully I was able to work with my former business partner and kind of work on a plan that kept the risk really mitigated, um, but still allowed us to build that portfolio. So I would say within the first, uh, year or two of social time, we still had full-time jobs. We were still making it work. Um, we were still building that portfolio. Um, but you know, once we got it off the ground, once we gained the trust, a lot of those um, Boston-based business owners, little by little, they were actually telling other business owners. Mm -hmm. Um, And and since then, the referrals really haven't stopped. We've gotten so many referrals and a lot of it has to do with trust. Um, You know, we are, uh, although with the pandemic, we can't see our clients as much in person, we do have that trust. And I think, you know, if they call us up Even if it's like, I can't get my email to work or they just need some, you know, a quick question, they can call us. And I think a lot of other agencies that are maybe bigger than Social Thrive will put you in a queue and you won't really talk to anybody. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been a big part of why we've been able not only to retain so many clients, but we've been able to um, get a lot of really, really strong referrals from our current clients to other other businesses. Um, and and something to note, too, you know, we in the beginning, like I said, risk was scary for me. You know, I was really nervous to even talk to my family about starting a business because it was just something that was scary. Um, and we never actually took a loan out. I know a lot of when you're first starting, there's a lot of pressure, or I felt a lot of pressure from you know my former business partner to be like, let's get a loan, let's accelerate things. Um, but I feel like sometimes when you do come from a low income immigrant background, that stuff is scary. You don't want to take a loan, like you don't want to owe money. You don't, yeah. you know, it's all scary and things just feel like, you, you know, just stuff that you're not used to. You're not used to that kind of thing. Um, and so what we did instead was from that, from the beginning, because we did still have, you know, full-time jobs. Then we had those part-time jobs. Um, We just really wanted to save a very strong rainy day fund. And that's how we protected ourselves in the first, I would say three, four years. We just really were really careful, really careful, you know, how we spent our time because we knew, we knew that the beginning, in the beginning that the clients were going to be on the cheaper side, that we wanted to help them genuinely help them, but also they were helping us get, get our portfolio built out as well yeah
0: and I feel like that's something that a lot of people I feel like it's very trendy right now for people to start a business and like go right in with like the top tier clients and like the top mm-hmm. tier services and being like well, I know what my worth is right I feel like I like that I, I feel like I've talked about this before like I hate that phrase like know mm-hmm. your worth and like and then add tax or whatever like when you're first starting a business I'm sorry but your worth is not that high like uh, you your worth I'm, and I don't mean that like don't internalize that like but like literally the cost of your services should not be that high if you don't have that much experience doing it it's Mm -hmm. just not it's not the same as the worth of your time or the worth of your life like Mm -hmm. all of those things I'm sure are worth millions of dollars an hour but when you're first starting a business you start off where you start off and I think that's and that's something I did too and Mm -hmm. that yeah and I've and I've seen you grow so strongly over time. And I feel like that's something that, you know, we're really good examples of, like, we didn't try to immediately accelerate into being like the top tier service of our, you know, or like top tier pricing of our services or whatever, because we felt like we were worth $10,000 a month. Like we started on the slower side or on the lower side and really built up those relationships and really built up those portfolios and really built up that client base of people who Mm -hmm. then have referred us for years and years. And of course, then, you know, we got to a place where you can charge more and, you know, there's more demand and people want to work with you more. But at the beginning, yeah, you, you don't have that. And I think the fact that we've built up from that stage and and on the from those real relationships and real referrals is actually one of the things that has helped both of us actually be in business for so long. Because I see so many people start a business and go into it so gung-ho, but also like very rigid, like here are my boundaries and this and that. And to be honest, they're not here two or three years later. They're just not, because that's not really a very that's I think some people can do start a business successfully that way but I think that's very rare to be able to go in if you don't already have like you know a lot of experience running a business or a lot of experience in your industry um right right and to be able to go in like that and not like care about your clients in a way where they come first like I guess that's kind of what it is
1: Right, absolutely, and and to be honest, for people that are listening, that might, um, I we don't want to get this misconstrued, and I don't want to talk on on your your behalf, but like there will be a time where you you can say, hey, no, that's not worth my time. Oh but yeah. Just right. keep in mind that you know there is, and we, I, and I feel like I, I'm sure you'll agree, I've learned from that beginning point to now how to navigate those tough conversations with clients because you know it's not easy to be like hey let's now raise our prices because we've been giving you you know a deal for four years or three years like like you know you have to learn how to because you also even when you start maybe let's say you start charging more when you get to a point where you feel like you have high super high quality uh, services and you can charge, uh, you know, a decent rate to get your business, you know, in a better place. That's awesome. But don't forget, even at that point, you'll still get haggled by some big companies. And so you have to kind of learn your ins and outs of your pricing model really intimately. Um, and you'll have a better, you'll have a better understanding because you started off where you started off, or at least that's how I feel like our journey or my journey, Yeah, um, you know, how it's come, come across, um, Obviously, it would have been perfect to charge more in the beginning, but that's then then I would feel like we wouldn't have gotten our feet in the door at a lot of these uh, places. And some of them were restaurants that are great restaurants, you know, some of them are, um, you know, they just took a chance. And I actually my um, this can be this uh, can also be applied in other places. I was just going to say my best friend when she got married. She, um, she wanted to kind of like figure out some cost savings. So what she did for like her photographer and videographer is she went with someone that hadn't had a big portfolio and she got a deal because that person wanted to build her portfolio. So was, there are ways to kind of like, it's not all like, Oh, work for free. That's not at all what we're saying. But if you do need to get your foot in the door, that's how you do it. You know? Right?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, to clarify, like in the first couple of years, like I think that's that absolutely can be your foot in the door for sure. Cause I see people say a lot, they're like, How do you get that first client? Like when you have nothing to show them. And that's what you might have to do is take on a a lower client in order to get something to then show the next people the higher client. And then absolutely once you get to a point where you know, your time is booked up. <laughs> and then your time does become worth a lot more. And then you do have to maybe turn down smaller clients or be much more rigid with your pricing. Like absolutely. And yeah. I'm like, I'm just glad we got to that point. And I'm just thinking mm-hmm. like it's because of the things that we did years ago to lay down those that kind of like foundation of a company, I think, that has helped us now get to that point. So I mean, yeah, yeah if you and if you can get to that point within the first three years, then more power to you. That's amazing. Yeah. But um Yeah, I mean, I think it took it took a little. I think, sorry, wait, say what you were gonna say, and then I want to say one more thing about that.
1: (laughs) Okay, yeah, no, I was, uh, I was just gonna say it reminds me too of, um, you know, there was that point of, uh, when we were starting to kind of turn the tide on just doing mom and pops and just being kind of like a smaller business. Um, when when that when we finally got our our foot in the door with some kind of bigger industries, you know, like I said, real estate, commercial, and residential. Was something in the first three or four years? We slowly got our foot in the door that way. And I remember being, you know, being pretty young still, and in a meeting um, with a bunch of head honchos at this big real estate firm. And we were pitching our services, uh, as were a couple of other companies. And the um, uh, there's always going to be that one eccentric uh, owner or CEO, and he looked at us dead in the eye, and he said. Um, do you think you could handle this amount of like work? Like he, he, I think he, you know, for a second wanted to push us a little bit. And, you know, because we were punching above our weight and we still do, we punch above our weight and, and we, we looked at him and we, we said, um, we wouldn't be here if we didn't think we could handle this amount of work, basically being like, don't think that we're just a couple of people, you know, working, you know, from a small little office, you know, we, we know what we're doing. We have all the confidence in the world. And maybe at that point, we were still a little on the smaller side, but still like uh, when, when we got that question asked, I knew that we were kind of on the verge of finally grown or being, I guess, considered more grown, I guess. Um, but I'll never forget that meeting. Cause I obviously was terrified when I was like, Oh no, <laughs> like, are we going to do well? Are we not going to do well? This is like a huge
0: chance. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the fact that you like had that reaction of like, we wouldn't be here. Like that almost is. It almost like um reiterated, what's the word I'm looking for? Um reconfirms it. That's not the word I'm looking for,
1: <laughs> but like reiterate it. what? like re-emphasized
0: yeah to to yourself right like you were like wait it almost you know because it's one thing to say it to other people but then when someone else like almost asks it Mm -hmm. of you and you're like well yeah wait like I fully stand behind this I fully believe we can do this like I don't know there's almost something more when when you get that pushback and then you're like yes absolutely like even if I had any doubt before like I know we can
1: do this Absolutely. Yep. Exactly. And, and saying it because it's sometimes you'll get a You'll get a question like that from a potential client out of the blue. You, we were not expecting that. And it's honestly, it happens every so often you'll get a a question from a client and you're thinking, how do I respond to this? But always just always be confident. Um, you know, you know what you're doing, just, you know, just be confident that you can do it and just, and also be transparent, but obviously, you know, you're there for a reason. If they invited you to pitch,
0: you're there for a reason. Right. And I think one of the things too that, I mean, I think, and you, yeah, be honest about it. But one of the things that I think too, um, that we've both always done is just ha- that ability to figure it out too, right? Like even if something is a little beyond something you've ever done before, like again, I always... I always reiterate that you should be honest with it, but also willing to try it. Like I will, I have literally, especially at the beginning said to clients like, oh, I haven't ever, you know, done. I like, maybe I haven't ever reached out to like that kind of, um, Uh, publication before, like, because just for in case anybody who's listening doesn't know, I have a PR agency. Um, So I had been like, you know, I've never reached out to that kind of publication, but I absolutely think we can. I don't see any reason that we couldn't like secure an article in like that kind of outlet. And I will make it, I will, I'm willing to make, to try and make it happen. And then that's your opportunity to, to figure it out. Like, is there Mm -hmm. a different thing I needed to do to make that work? Or is there something else I needed to learn or try or figure it out or put more time into whatever that is? Like, I would be honest with them. I would never say that, like, I'd done something I hadn't done or, you know, that the kind of results were, that I were different than what were actually true for what I've had experience with, but Mm -hmm then also be really clear that like, you know what, I'm willing to do whatever I can to make it happen. Cause I want my business to go too, and those are all things that are going to help me be successful in the future. Mm-hmm. And they're willing to work with you. So I feel like something like that, and just, just as an illustration of like being able to figure things out, right? Like even if something was scary or a little bit beyond what we, what we, we knew what to expect, like we figured out ways to make it happen. And again, I want to like reiterate because I think there's a fine line between like actually trying to take on something that you don't know mm-hmm. how to do or like that you don't have your expertise in. But if right. it's like something that was like pretty much what my services were, but I hadn't ever done like exactly yeah. that before, like just figuring it out or even like, I guess more so it's like in different parts of the business, like not actually, um, you know, the actual service right. that I specialize in, but something to do with like running the business or growing the business. Yes. Like yes. we, we figured out we, and we just do it and it's 2022 like i completely agree with you we especially for you
1: and i you know your industry with the pr it's evolved so much in the last 10 years right. and 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 i and i was going to say for my industry it changes every every couple of months and so it's kind of you have to be able to say hey that there's a new channel that just came out we haven't done it before but we're going to research the heck out of it and we're going to learn it and we're going to let you know if we think it's a viable effort for you to Go into, or if you want to do a test run, um, because we have to uh, as a digital marketing agency, we have to get you know get go through those um, motions and learn because what we do changes all the time. So it's there's always going to be a situation, um, and I and I think your industry is somewhat similar too. Yeah. Um, you have to be open to that. And, and as just like you said, it only grows your business. And I can tell you, my clients, so when they ask certain questions that seem like, okay, out of the realm of our, our agreement, let's say, mm-hmm. let's say they hire us for a specific so- scope of work. And then they see something uh, on the internet and they ask a question of something that we might not be familiar with, but it doesn't mean that we can't, you know, given our background and expertise in what we do, there's no way that we wouldn't be able to investigate it, look into it. Build our services better, and then help them with whatever consultant question that they consultancy question that they have. And that only has grown like our relationship stronger with our clients because we're willing to be like, okay, let's think about that. Let's see. Let's see. Why not? Let's talk about it. Let's look into it. Um, it might not right now be something that you know you you have on your plan with us, but we want to know we, if this is going to work for you. We want to do it.
0: Yeah, so. I think, okay. Mm-hmm. And you just brought up a couple, like there were a couple things I wanted to say based on what you just said, and I'm probably going to forget some of them. <laughs> One thing I just want to say quickly too that I almost mentioned before when, about like just getting started too. I feel like it's almost worth noting that like, when we like, we were starting so long ago that like social media was still new. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. think I even had like Instagram when I started my business and like there weren't Facebook groups yet. And like all of those things that people turn to now for a lot of, well, a lot of business building things, Mm -hmm. like a lot of what people use right now for marketing their business when it comes to a new business. Cause I'm thinking like, yeah, like both of us built our businesses totally off of like local referrals and stuff. Mm -hmm. But a part of that and a part of why we didn't know other people in business in you know other other young women specifically in business was because those like platforms didn't exist those spaces that now like we go to to have those kind of connections and conversations Mm -hmm. like they weren't a thing yet so I just kind of want to mention that not to totally date ourselves but um, (laughs) but also yeah like all of that (laughs) social media online stuff uh, online PR stuff like all of that is things that have just been evolving so much since we wow. started. And I think that clients appreciate it even more. No, like appreciate knowing that we're growing and evolving alongside these things. Like I think yeah, nobody sees it as like a negative thing that we're like, oh yeah, we're like, we'll look into that more and we'll figure out if that's something that makes sense for you based on your goals, mm-hmm. things like that, because everything has been either new or changing so much mm-hmm. in that time. And
1: and you and I are not. I, and I I'm totally like we're not old. Like <laughs> we're not old, but can yeah. I tell you? Like I remember when Facebook came out, and I was I think it was uh my, the end of my high school, and I was like what is this? And I was about to head into college. I'm like what is this? Um, obviously, we had known about like Live Journal, MySpace, all that stuff, and it was really exciting and all that. But you know, it came Facebook came out. You know, at that point, um, it got really big in college, and then there was no courses really I, I had a couple of courses okay. about um like political change and how twitter helped you know a con- uh, different countries like lead protests like those minor minor anecdotes about you know and that point they were calling it new media it wasn't even called social media or digital or whatever um <laughs> so it was it, it was one of those crazy things and you know we're still in our you know it's, it's crazy to me how fast things have changed. I'll just say that.
0: Yeah, totally. The other thing I was going to say too, is I literally, I just was recording an episode earlier today, a solo episode that I don't know if it'll go up before or after this one comes out, but about like client relationships and like building and strengthening client relationships. And that's one of the things that I was just talking about in that episode was that I think clients really appreciate the mm-hmm. fact, like that, I think they really appreciate, like, knowing that the companies that they're hiring to work with them are willing to put in, like, like to be constantly learning about both mm-hmm. them and their industries and about, like, the their the companies and like so you learning about, more about your own industry all the time and also learning about the industries that your clients are in, because I think yeah I think that it really shows that you're always constantly trying to do more and do to do better and to be the best that you can be in your in your niche and in your offerings and that that's something that clients really appreciate because and and just the fact that you're like communicate about it and willing to look into things and and be a part of that with them because then they they really see that you as an ally and a partner in what you're doing with them so i think that that's something that clients really appreciate too to see that you're Putting in that effort and not just kind of like, well, this is the way we've been doing it, you know, or this is the way we do it with clients and we don't, you know, being too rigid about that.
1: Yeah. And it, and it honestly, it's, it makes things, it's, it's like a twofold win because one, it makes, what we do rewarding because we have good relationships We're we're helping people, even though it feels kind of weird, you know, we're, we're helping them in a business sense, um, as much as we can, we're building that relationship, but then also with that trust, they stay on, uh, as much as, as long as they can, they stay on as clients and you're extending the, you're extending them as a client, but it feels good because you, you want to help them, you want them to succeed. So it's kind of like a double win. It, It really is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And anytime you can extend a client in terms of the length of their contract or adding more services to their their contract, I mean, that's always easier than bringing on a whole new client because you've already got that relationship. So that's a good way of thinking about it too, in terms of like building your business more. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and just, you know, know your business really well so that uh, you're always in charge of how that, how that contract is extended, just so, you know, making sure that you're not, going, you're always analyzing and analyzing, you know, how it's doing and making sure that you really, it is a, a good, because there are, you know, and the downside sometimes what we do, there are some clients that may not be profitable for you. So okay. always, you know, know your, know your numbers really well. Um, but but I still always hold strong to the people aspect of it and, and really helping people if you can, um,
0: because it goes a long way. It does go a long way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe that's a good segue. And I feel like we've already talked for a while. So I want, I want to ask quickly, <laughs> I want to touch quickly on like building the team. Cause I feel like we've talked a lot about kind of like the getting started kind of stuff and like how we did things when we were on our own, but obviously we both started adding to our teams like after that. And I know you have, you've built a pretty good sized team, over the years, um, in terms, let's think about that as, a, as the segue in terms of like numbers and stuff. Yeah. Um, like when did it make sense for you to start hiring people and what are some of those things that you think about when it comes to like, do I need more help on the team or is it not worth taking on that client or like, you know, what is that tipping point? Like, have you found anything like that? It's, it's tough because, um, at, uh, at an agency,
1: it feels kind of, it can feel like a roller coaster. Um, and for example, you can get, uh, within a couple of weeks, you can get, you know, how many requests for proposals, um, and literally discovery calls, doing proposals, and you're at this point waiting and you're saying, okay, I just submitted five proposals. Let me evaluate what the team can fit basically you know who who can do what well or can we do this um so it's really this interesting puzzle um i would call it a puzzle i don't know if it's like that movie a beautiful mind where the numbers are everywhere but um you really have to look at who you have what each person's uh, specialty is do you need to um and there's always something called overflow so maybe all of those five proposals turned into clients and you realize that you want to do a quality job and maybe at this point you're maxed out with team members so there's something called overflow if you have overflow then you have you should have a backup list of maybe freelancers that not and i wouldn't suggest them be client facing but a backup list of uh, freelancers that might be blog writers or some can do some skills that you can have supplement what your team um, could maybe need help with so that your team can focus on the client and project management So there's always going to be this weird roller coaster feeling where things are going up and you're, you're, you know, having to plan around it. And then there might be like a divot down below where maybe a client has to pause or, you know, some clients of ours do have a shelf life. Um, Some of our residential uh, projects have a six to 12 month shelf life. And once everything's leased up, they are good. They'll, you know, bring their uh, their marketing in house or however they want to do it. And that's okay. Um, So it's one of those things where. We have peaks and valleys and we just have to expand and contract with our internal resources as best we can. Um, and it is a puzzle because not everybody's contract has the same services in them. Not every team member has the same skill sets. So it's really about, okay, what's this new proposal coming in? Um, what are they asking for? Let me look at my team. Let me look at my uh, my part-timers. Let's see how we can do this and I will only move forward if I feel comfortable that we can do it right, you know? Um, and then from my, my perspective, obviously, I'm always trying to oversee and making sure that everything's going smoothly. Um, Cause that's a big part of what, what we do. Um, and I, I'm sure you agree, we have to be organized so that the client, you know, let's say we have a new writer on, the, on a project. We want the client to not even get a sense that the voice of a blog or of a post or of an ad That would that it feels any different than the voice that we've been putting out. So it's a lot of making sure that everything is working as much as you can as like a well-oiled machine. It's not always possible and it's not always perfect because you know, how can you be a a well-oiled machine when you're dealing with roller coaster style environment? But that's (laughs) but that's kind of like that's what we do at an agency. Our goal is to Yep, like keep things as efficient as you can and as streamlined as you can, but also being able to address those uh, expansions and contractions that come with any agency life. Yeah.
0: Did you ever, this is, I feel like something that I've had seen a lot of like friends and people in like similar industries run into is like the, the time when you're kind of growing beyond like being just you or like mostly you with maybe some kind of like more behind the scenes, like people helping out to more of like, like a bigger client facing team or something like have any clients ever questioned that or like, um, like feel like you still had to be the person to like be dealing with the client or that there was going to be any kind of like confusion with Mm -hmm. like having other people dealing with some of the work for the clients. That's always, I've noticed, uh, it's still an issue. Like I've
1: always, um, I'm very, I'm not okay. I'm good. I'm really good with people one-on-one. I get more like even doing this podcast, you know, like I'm maybe not as social as people, you know, maybe assume I'm really good with my clients. I'm really good with talking with people. Um, But I've noticed that that's good and bad. It's good because when I, you know, if I help a team member on a discovery call, or if I'm helping with a specific real, maybe a really high priority project, then the clients do get Comfortable um, with seeing me around, and they feel great about it. And then there have been times where I've gotten calls from from clients saying, "Hey, um, we want you on every call because we think that maybe our stakeholders um, would appreciate you know hearing from you more." So there's a lot of that that still goes on, and I'm doing my best to kind of balance that out. But what you also have to do is pinpoint a um, either a high producer or someone that you really trust. Um, on your team and start training them to be that person, or, you know, start training a couple of people to be, or see things how you see them, or maybe, you know, maybe adopt a similar management style so that's kind of where we are now i guess i could say there's still a lot of clients especially those mom and pops like they know they've known me for 10 years when i was out of college like they ask, you know about me getting married they ask i i see that they have grandkids so there's also that weird personal overlap too of being a business owner so i definitely do my best to be always there always um respectful but there, it's there's only one of me, so right. I have to kind of demonstrate to the team members, um, and I say I have to because I still am in that process yeah. um, of showing them, hey, you will be just as successful as me, you know, if not more, if you, you know, if you follow maybe some of these tips and things that I I've done, and you know, a lot of what I I would suggest is just being really genuine and really, you know, actually talking to clients and listening to them. That's mm-hmm. I think where people have really gravitated towards me as the business owner and I don't think that's very hard to you know explain to my team you know and show them it's you you guys can be that point person for these clients they can put the same amount of trust in you as they have in me
0: yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, I think that's something that I, I hear about people struggling with a lot. It is, I'm yeah. Into more of like a bigger agency kind of style team after having started as like a single, like one person, or even a smaller team. I, I feel like it's not. I I think I've dealt with it a little bit, but not. As much as some people, I don't know. I mean, maybe because I'm still very, (laughs) I am still like on most of the important client calls and things like that. Um, But I feel like I'm, but I'm not doing the date, most of the day to day work. So I guess I've, I don't know, interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, Anything. I think I, I still put in the FaceTime mostly when a client would know or care. And then I kind of feel like they don't notice as much like if I'm actually delegating like the actual work. I mean, my account manager is on every call too. So it's the two of us. And I think they know, you know, it's mm-hmm. a, it's at least two, the two of us. And I think they always know that that we're both doing the work. Um, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. And yeah, it's just about getting them to trust like the account manager, or the other person, like as much as they trust you. And I try to have them like, you know, I'm like certain I'm a little strategic I think about like what communication comes from like her at the beginning of a relationship versus what comes from me so that they start to really see like see the expertise coming from her and seeing how she's managing like dealing with the media or like some of those things that they know are like the most important pieces of what we're doing for them like seeing that Mm -hmm. coming from her yeah and helped
1: and I, I remember over the pandemic I um I, because obviously there was a little bit of a lull, uh, in, in, you know, clients pausing, no one know, knowing what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to do a lot of, um, one kind of re, recalibrating a lot, and then also t- doing a lot more, um, business related exercises and, and webinars and, and things of that nature, which obviously when you work in an agency, you're really focused on the clients and maybe a tiny bit less on your own business. So mm-hmm. I was able to do like kind of refresh a lot on that stuff. Um, and there was one webinar that I listened to about client retention. Um, and I, I remember taking away this one point, although there was so much great, um, information that I had, there was one point that they, that they had made that was if your account manager, um, even if they're not producing uh, you know, at a certain level, or if even if maybe they have hiccups here and there, if they have a good relationship with the client, the client will always stay with them. Hmm. So I found that interesting because I am one, I am OCD, I am a perfectionist. I will, if a particular thing is just slightly off on, on like a graphic design project, I will tell you, I will tell my staff, they know. Um, you know, you have to align it correctly. You, you know, if this is not capitalized and make sure it's consistent. Um, and so I found it interesting that, you know, if a client has that really, really great relationship with you, and this is, I'm sure not, you know, always this, the rule, but if they really have that relationship with your account manager and your account manager is there when they need, when they need them, Mm -hmm. then they might be more likely to forgive a small mistake, or maybe there's like a hiccup here and there, but they're okay because they know that we care. Mm -hmm. Um, so I thought that was an interesting thing I'm very careful to not have any mistakes that's like my OCD but it's good it was an interesting thing that that I never I didn't think would um didn't think would happen
0: yeah and I think that's tricky too because like of course it is your baby like as someone who started the company and and I feel like that's another thing too that has probably contributed to both of our successes that we are. I mean, actually, I don't consider myself a perfectionist in any way, shape or form, but anything I do for a client is perfect. Like, I mean, (laughs) that sounds like a weird thing to say, but like, like I will not present something to a client that you like, they will not find a typo. They will not find like a mistake in like, Mm -hmm. like that kind of mistake. Like that does not happen. And like, and my team, I think also like they know like I'm like why is this like not capitalized when that is capitalized like literally that kind of consistency is so important in the kind of work that we do like that is is. I'm like that's what they're hiring us for exactly the person who is portraying their brand in the best possible way so that is so so important and that's something that like obviously at the beginning you have full control over because you're the one doing it and you can make sure it's as perfect as you want it to be and that's the hardest thing to like relinquish some control over when you have someone else doing it with you but I feel like being able to, yeah, being able to like embed that in somebody else's (laughs) um, like way of doing things when it's not their business. Like, like, yeah, I I guess what I'm trying to say is I feel like part of it too is finding people who are going to put as much care into the work without the owner of the company, you know, and without being maybe even at first the main person for the client, like who's going to still put in that amount of care that you put in mm-hmm. and find finding people like that. But also, yeah, once somebody likes you enough, they're willing to work with you more a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, mistakes they're not going to have, but it'll still, even if, you know, you're not there to answer the phone one day or something when they want to talk to you or like little things like that, that they might be able to Right. Right. Overlook right. if they know that they like you enough and have, and you have that kind of relationship. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is, is just trying to find people who treat your business, like the baby that it is to you. Like, cause mm-hmm. that that's, what's hard, but that's what you need. That's what your clients want from you too.
1: Right. Right. And, and it is, I, I, I know that, um, I, it, staffing and hiring is really difficult, it really is. And even before the pandemic, it was difficult in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not because I would ever, you can't, I feel like you can't require someone to care like it is their baby when it's not, but it is their job to take things seriously. And then you have parameters in place and processes in place where, you know, there are um, objective uh, things and goals that if they don't meet, then, that's a problem. So, um, I think, I think there is just interesting, the more, um, you know, after 10 years, you get really familiar with different people's like work styles. And, um, you can maybe sometimes tell sooner than later, um, if someone's not a good fit and maybe in the beginning, um, you give more chances and you really want to, um, foster people. And I'm still of that mentality. Um, I, I, We for a while we didn't even do um, internships anymore because we we had a couple of okay interns and then we just for us uh, it just took a lot of of time to mentor them and then so it was something that we're like okay I don't know some of them weren't really responsible either at that point and and we were like okay so what do we do and then I had two really proactive uh, students one was at Boston College they reached out to me last uh, last year for an internship and. it, I, I just, I, I was like, let's, you know, let's try it. Let's try it one more time. Let's, you know, do some more mentoring. Let's kind of see how it goes. And it was the best thing ever. It's just, uh, to this point, um, we have this one intern that since she was an, uh, an intern with us, um, she's now does some part-time work with us and she's really responsible. She's really great. Loves what we do. And she, you can tell, I, I think it's just, um, every, everybody's so different, right? So if someone really cares about what they do, um, you can tell um so you know we're really fortunate to have um met a lot of those people and have some of those great people on our team
0: yeah oh my gosh we could have a whole conversation about interns <laughs> i right. know i know no uh, sense. <laughs> we've had some of the absolute best ones in the last couple of years and and we've also but for the most part i've found that they've been like Well, I mean, the ones I've hired have always been great. So I don't want anyone listening to this to be like, wait, was that me? Um, I have always found good ones, but I have found that the applicants have like really run the gamut lately in terms of just you know people not even like seem like they put any effort into like the interview or you know can't be bothered to like schedule something within a couple days of like or, or you know like the, I would say like you know we're setting up interviews next week like oh I'm not available until like the 17th or whatever like yeah. just, just the lack of um yeah, enthusiasm, I think, for, like, even getting the interest. Yeah, yeah, you gave me
1: the funniest, you just reminded me of the funniest thing is, um, we were hiring, um, a lot this past year, and, um, I got an email once, well, I guess it was to the contact at Social Thrive, um, and it was, Hey, I see you're hiring. Do you want me to send you my resume? That was the email. I was like, I mean, if you want the job, maybe you should just send the resume. I don't know. Isn't like, I just thought that was like a really funny, I don't, or, or like, I guess maybe more of a teachable moment. Um, cause I don't, uh, you know, I don't have, I don't know. I was going to say, I don't have like the time to like foster you to like set, like right. to do all of that. But you know, if you, really liked the company and our mission and you liked the work we do, maybe email something
0: out I don't know maybe yeah, it's the job position though of like the people like that who will send an email with like multiple questions about that about applying and I'm like first of all no like I will never have the time to like reply to questions about you applying if you haven't even sent a resume or anything that shows me <laughs> that you're going to be worth like my time I don't know that I'm even going to want to interview you let alone like so why would I spend all this time like answering questions about it but um between that and then the people who send like an amazing application and then like follow me on like Instagram and LinkedIn and like send a message and like actually try to do this personal outreach and like connect through the different things that I'm saying and putting out there like there there are people like that and yeah if anybody listening to this like Brent internship keep in mind there are people who are doing all that and then so don't be the person who emails saying like oh can I send you an application application. but anyway yeah no we could totally do a whole another episode on that but I want to end on um like, I want to get like a little more personal, like rather than the business side of things, like what are some of the things, obviously we've talked about, like it can be stressful. It can be a lot of work. Like it's hard to turn off. (laughs) And like, obviously as the business has grown and you've gotten, you know, you've been in it longer, of course, Mm -hmm. some of those boundaries are able to come back a little bit more. And there's your day-to-day life changes a little bit more, but what are some of the things now that you do, um, like outside of work that, or just that have helped you be successful, whether it's work or not, I guess, like some of the things like, do you do, do you have like a certain routine that you stick to? Do you swear by a certain morning routine or anything you do outside of work to just like decompress a little bit, like anything like that?
1: Yeah. A a little bit of, uh, a little bit of, of, I guess, and well, let's start off with, I guess my daily routine. I'm big on organization checklists. Um, I use the, the Social Thrive Asana, like the project management system, like a Bible, um, because I need, you know, I'm held accountable. I, everyone else has to be similarly held accountable on the team, so that's kind of how I organize. Because uh, as we talked about, there is a very gray area between when you're plugged in for work and when you're not. And I have run into the issues where I'm working till midnight or on the weekends because a project needs to get done and I want to make sure it gets done. Um, but what I like to do to kind of break away from that, um, I do listen to a lot of science podcasts and I, I think, uh, cause I used to, um, before I got into kind of the digital world, uh, I was big into, um, chemistry and, and biochem and I had started off, uh, in that major, uh, in college and in you know high school, that was what I thought I was going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that's kind of my escape, obviously movies and, and that stuff too, but I like to escape to a place where it's completely different than what I do day to day. Yeah. Um, and it helps, it gets me excited about something outside of work. Um, it's still educational. Cause I, I, I like, I don't like to, I like to, I like to learn things. Like I, I get excited about really th- things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, uh, last week I, I think, um, I l- had a podcast about uh, heavy water, uh, like what the differences between regular H2O and you know, what heavy water is with deuterium. And then also, you know, what's limestone and <laughs> things like that, that it sounds really lame, but limestone is actually really incredible. I thought it was, I thought the podcast was not going to be fun at all. Um, but that's one. And and you mentioned too, traveling. Um, I'm obsessed with this uh, this YouTube show called Geography Now. He does a video on every country in the world. So like wow. the things that I like to do are oh for some reason I always I was always leaned to learn like learning and edu- like just learning things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when it's not relevant to work, it makes it feel much, much more of an escape. So I, I'm not always plugged in when I'm like learning about science or geography or or what have you. Um, so that's what that would that would be, I guess, what my personal anecdote <laughs> would be. Yeah, I love it. That's really interesting. I didn't know that about you. <laughs> I know it's super. Uh, I'm not going to say nerdy. I'll let you make your judgment about
0: me. <laughs> no, I love it. That's great. What um in, is there anything when it comes to business like planning or, um, goal setting for the business that you do to like keep moving forward or keep yourself on track? Yep. So
1: um in, 20 uh, I think it was uh, in end of 2018 around 2019 um my former business partner actually stepped down. And then obviously the pandemic came. And so I spent a lot of time trying to kind of recalibrate. And something that came out of that was um, I created an action plan. Um, And I also, um, after I actually worked at that startup, this is just like a little side note, I had two years working as a a marketing manager for the the state government. Um, It's like a weird side thing that I, I did while I was starting Social Thrive, but it was a great learning experience because I worked there nine to five and I could clock out and not like at that point when you work for the state, you can't take things home with you. So you clock out and I did Social Thrive every night and every weekend. So while I was working there, um, there was a really cool leadership program that kind of reminded me of what we did with Social Thrive. But it basically, um, we created this action plan. um, And what it's saying is the action plan says, okay, everything right now for Social Thrive is working as it is what can we do outside of our current day-to-day to to get us um, in a different place next year? Mm. So we have this action plan where it was, um, the first half of the action plan had to do with kind of, you know, now that I'm the sole owner of the company, I wanted to um, make more processes and organize it a lot better. That was my goal. So that was like a big goal um, for step one. But then the other steps are steps that I can do 2022 goals, 2023 goals, um, five-year, 10-year goals. And those steps are, firming up our services, expanding our services, um, beefing up our interview processes. What goals do we need to be better this time next year and how do we get there? So we have these goals. We look kind of at the state of social life as a business and we say to ourselves, okay, this uh, service we do, it could be a lot better. Let's spend some time on that before Q1 ends and let's see where what we need to do to be better. Do we need to buy new software? Do we need uh, to find a new person to help us with this particular service? Or maybe maybe we don't do this service. So it's really evaluating, hey, is it even profitable? Why are we spending our time on this? And if it is, let's 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 figure out how to do it. Um, and so it's all different things that are the business-related stuff, because I think, as you know, at, at an agency, we are always working on our clients' projects, our, their, their work, always? it's always about the client. And without this action plan, I think we wouldn't have progressed as much as we did. And to be honest, 2021 is, we're ending on a huge upswing. Um, and I think it really has to do with, you know, in 2019, 2020, us recalibrating and putting together this action plan. Um, and so I, it does help. So maybe there's a goal, um, you know, do more networking or get involved with the community more, you know, maybe at this point, Social Thrive needs to um, start volunteering more. Like that's all in our action plan. Um, and so these are all goals and benchmarks that we have. And there's like these, the sub, like the sub steps to how to get there. Um, so that's, I mean, I would suggest that for anyone, especially uh, if you think about it, um, some people in the beginning of creating a business, maybe they have a very bare bones business plan. Um, maybe they haven't looked at their business plan in a couple of years. So this is kind of a reminder to be like, Hey, you know, you may have had a business plan way back when, but times change your business may have changed. To go back in your business plan, look at it, do you need to update it? Or do you think that that's fine? Maybe you should have an action plan or a new, you know, new goal setting. So really taking that step back. Um, And, you know, I, I, you know, the pandemic was one opportunity to do that. But I hope and encourage everyone to always maybe have like a half a day, you know, every couple of weeks and say, what do I need to do for my business to get better? Because yeah, it, it's great when you're busy with client work. It's great because you know that the client's, pay you and you're giving them your what they in return, but that's not thinking about your business in the long term and making sure that in three years, you'll still have a, you know, enough client work for, you know, seven employees or 10 employees,
0: or maybe you want 30 employees. How do you get there? You got to plan for it. Yeah. I love that constantly moving forward. Yeah. I think definitely at least every year, like revisiting whatever, you know, if you have a, a business plan or whatever, like things do change. Thanks yeah. a lot, but yeah, I think always be consciously like moving forward and figuring out what steps you need to take to get to where you want to be in the future. Is so mm-hmm. important. yeah, so absolutely. thank you for that. That's a good reminder for everyone. I hope everyone will sit down and do that after listening to this episode. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. Tell me, um, oh, we always end with what's one thing that you wish you had known more about when you first began your business. Can you think of one thing that you would, that you wish you had known more about when you started? Um,
1: yes there are there are a couple things um let me let me figure out the uh, there are a couple um one i guess one is an important one um and i say this with all like the best um positive goodwill um i wish in the beginning that um i had maybe gotten to know my my business partner's work style a little bit better um we did a great job i think we did a great job um, in the beginning getting us to a good place Um, And I just know that once she decided to step down to start her family, I realized, okay, I can now do things the way I think that it should have been done in terms of that business plan, getting it back to where it needed to be, Um, you know, analyzing the profitability, uh, you know, organizing processes and putting together, let's say for hiring, because hiring is always a big thing, especially the, the smaller you are, the more risk it is when you hire one person, Never mind, you know, a couple people. So, um, you know, we're, you know, we don't have 100 employees. So for us, we take everything very seriously. We have a lot of clients that want us because we have, you know, ties to Boston, ties to New York, or what have you. So, you know, I was able to put together a, a more rigorous um, onboarding for new, new employees and for a more stringent interview process because that's a huge thing, you know? I, you know, when you interview someone, they could sound great and they could have some certifications, but that doesn't mean that they're, that they are going to be a good fit for your company or that they are going to fill the need that you hired them for. So having been able to take that step back and say, all right, I need a more stringent hiring process. I need a better onboarding process. I need better processes for um, day-to-day management so that every staff person knows, um, you know, knows what they're doing, knows the clients, and then from there we can scale. I wouldn't, I would say that I, I couldn't envision us scaling seven years ago, um, but now we're finally at the point where I'm like, I think we can, we we are scaling, we are scaling, um, and so I, I'm really happy about that. But it's just one of those things where there there was good and bad from having a business partner. Uh, we shared the risk, so that was a really good thing. Um, We both shared the time and energy in making this thing our baby, but it was just, we just had different management styles. And I think, you know, that probably, um, uh, restrained us a bit from growing. Um, but that's, you know, that was one thing. And obviously there's one other note about hiring people that
0: I had wanted to to say, um, if you were going to ask this. Yeah, I was well I was gonna say what's one thing you'd want to share with other entrepreneurs? that's kind of the other way we end it. so so you could yeah. say that as, as an in answer to that. what's one thing you'd want to share with other entrepreneurs looking to hire maybe
1: Yes so and this is I'll have to say this is a secondhand advice because I someone had to tell me this before it sunk in. Um, because you you're when you're hiring um, there's always a song and dance okay, do you fit the requirements? Um, does this person you know want more money? and we talked about this earlier a lot of people and, and this is good i I'm, I'm glad people know their worth in some aspects but you also have to know that you are the owner right so if you're interviewing someone you think that they are amazing but they want maybe maybe they didn't look at the salary range and they're asking for more money and you know you have to be strong and say even though you seem like a great fit this is the role of what it was you know this is what we put out there for the maximum cap on the salary And then what you do as a business owner is you find someone that will take that salary. And if they're amazing, that's when you promote them, give them bonuses, Mm -hmm. um, foster them and pay them more. Because I had had instances where maybe I was um, really excited about a particular person and they, you know, they maybe wanted more than what the salary range was. And, you know, maybe you got caught up and you thought, okay, you know what, I want this person. I'm going to meet them where they're at instead of having them meet you, um, and then that you know a particular person may not work out, which happened in my in my uh, instance. Um, and so that I actually got this advice. I'm in a, a scalable uh, entrepreneurship group. I'm in a you know a couple of different nep- networking groups, and there's a specific group that I'm in that's New York based that's about scaling, and there it's much more like a software developer I would say kind of um, group of people. So not everything applies to my industry. But this particular question that I had about hiring, because I was having a lot of hiring issues before the pandemic, um, you know, and they said, never meet someone where they're at because you're taking the risk, not them. You know, they're they're fine telling you, hey, this is my, my minimum. So you, you're the business owner. It's your business. You stick to your guns for what you're hiring and what this role is worth. Don't listen to anybody else. Don't meet anyone else. Where they are at because they will prove themselves to you and that's the best way um, to kind of approach hiring and can i tell you ever since i've done that i've been much happier because Mm. i'm not worried now about being able to pay someone more than what i had planned in a particular role now i'm paying them as they are being productive and showing that they're responsible and that they're um they're team players to be to be pretty frank frank with you if they show that they're team players I have no problem giving out big bonuses. Um, and and I think that that's actually happened uh, ever since I took that advice. Um, things have been going way better. <laughs> I've been less you know, nervous too about that kind of weird song and dance
0: when you hire someone. Interesting. Good to know. Yeah. I feel like I haven't heard anyone say that exactly like that, but it kind of makes sense. I mean, from my own personal experience, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think with a small business, especially it's like, Right. Everything depends so much on everything else. And like, if somebody is great and going to actually help us like make more money as a company, like I'm, I want to give all the money to them. Like that is so worth it to me but if somebody comes in and and wants more than like I know I can comfortably be sure that we can like really pay then it's just going to be like a stressful situation like I'm going to be stressed out the whole time and there's like going to feel like there's so much riding on it and mm-hmm. everything they do is going to be like hmm is it really contributing enough to the bottom line of the company to be worth that and it's just like such a whole different like vibe to the whole relationship i think than then if somebody comes in at the place where you were comfortable and what you were offering and then it's like, yep. And here you kind of like any extra money that you bring into the company, like have a great bonus. Like I want people to get paid as much as humanly possible, but I don't want it to be like at the expense of me feeling like I'm not going to be able to pay myself or pay our other expenses or things like that because it's, yeah. because it's more than we were comfortable with for that payroll or something. Mm-hmm. So and if you think
1: about it, I think one thing that, we as entrepreneurs um, battle is that, you know, we have the idea for the company. We're really great at our expertise. You know, we're not HR people in the beginning. We don't know in the beginning, these little nuggets of advice. So it was crucial. And I made the mistake. I asked for help after I made the mistake and they confirmed that, you know, this is the way you should go about it. And I've been, it's been really helpful ever since. Have I still made maybe a couple of, um, you know, Minor minor issues with hiring, yeah, of course. But I'm a human. We're all human, and I think it's just been such a good piece of advice. I mean, another thing too is when you're doing the hiring, always try to hire someone that's maybe better at it than you. Because mm-hmm. while you know we created our our businesses, we want to surround ourselves with people just as passionate about the business. So, and you'll see that once once you hire someone, like you said, don't hire. We're not going to hire someone. Uh, where they're at at this point, because we're not massive companies, we're not massive. Um, but you can easily tell once they get started, after a couple of weeks, if they're passionate about what, what you do.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's really interesting advice. So, and I wasn't supposed to ask more questions after that, but do <laughs> <laughs> so just this clarifier? Like, would you say you've always been able to, like, ever since you've kind of put that into place, you've always been able to find someone who really was great with, for the team had the skills you needed, like all of that stuff and was happy with like the salary you were offering and what you're, where you were, it's not like you've had to settle for someone who would accept that salary. Right. Cause like, it's not like you're not offering what's reasonable for the position. Right. So the right person does come for the situation that you have.
1: Absolutely, yep, yep, and I've I've um, I've uncovered. I feel like I've uncovered a couple of gems. No, um, it's one of those things. Hiring is kind of difficult, but I think I've been very fortunate to find the right people. We do have um, some, you know, tests that people have to take. We have a couple of rounds of interviews. So there's a couple of things that they have to go through before they even start. But regardless, we've still found some really great talents. Um, and so, there is one other thing that um, a similar entrepreneur told me. And this one's difficult, but um, when when it comes to hiring, um, a lot of companies that do get you know uh, venture capitalist money or you know that can scale faster or maybe have a leg up, rather than us who have been more bootstrapped, um, they like to overhire and then kind of see who's who's really performing, mm-hmm. and then they go from there and you know say hey you know your your probationary period is over, it's not a good fit. So there, there I've seen some practices like that that I have intrigued me. It's difficult when you're, you know, smaller uh, agency. You know, we can't hire ten people and just see what happens. We can't do that. But um, I think that that has been some another thing in in terms of a similar thing that has helped. Um, so in that last uh, my last hiring round, um, I ended up hiring um, three people instead of one, and I and I was a little nervous. But the good news is one is they met me where the salary range was, which was really, really great. Um, so that helped, I didn't go outside of the you know, financial comfort zone there, so that was helpful. Um, and then two, I was able to kind of see, okay, I, this person is going above and beyond, she's amazing. This other person, she's going great. So I've been very lucky to one, not only been finding those good people, I, by doing what we were talking about with the salary, we're not cutting anyone out that's good. We're not, you're finding the right fit that you need for your business. And there will be people that are good. Um, Have you, have I had issues before with, with maybe hiring people that didn't work out? Yeah. But that's, that happens to everybody. You will find good people and it doesn't have to be at the expense of, of your bottom
0: line, your small business. Yeah. Wait, I'm sorry. And then with the third person, did you let them go or did you end up keeping all three on? (laughs) I've got Uh, to know now.
1: Yeah, no, oh, keeping all three on
0: for now. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, and hey, sometimes that works out, right? Sometimes it's like when you really right. need somebody, like you feel like you need someone, you can't find the right person. And then you feel like you need one person and you find three and it's like, yes. you get, yeah, you gotta find a way. And then you know what? The clients end up coming. Like, I feel like when something like that happens, like you're you're gonna end up with like extra clients and be able to- yeah.
1: And that was a, that was a planned kind of risk too, because like I, I was, I was saying before, um, we're in a, we're in a, like this roller coaster, mm-hmm. and, and I've noticed that we've been hitting a lot more peaks. <laughs> mm. And I said to myself, you know, I'm not going to keep doing like this one by one training someone, you know? Right. So I, I, I went for it, trained about three people at the same time, which was also wow. a huge help because, you know, it's hard to train someone and you know whether they do or do not work out what what have you but I knew we had a lot of new work coming in um and it was kind of like a it was a gamble because I was gambling that the new work would come in
0: and it's a calculated risk right it's one of those calculated risks you have to take and then yeah it worked out yep absolutely Amazing. Okay. We've got to, we've got to end here. Cause I don't want this to be too long, even though I know we could keep talking for like all day, but can you tell people where they, well, first of all, is there anything else that you do really want to say? I don't want to like cut you off in the middle of this conversation, but if there's anything else you want to leave us with, please do. And otherwise let us know like where people can find you online, if they want to connect with you or find social drive or anything like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I just want to leave it on being thankful to have you Alessandra. Um I've yeah. it's always been helpful to bounce things off of you from the very get-go. So I'm really appreciative of that. And I hope people know that everyone has a different journey. I definitely if you heard this podcast, I know it's a gone, you know, it's a longer one and I tend to to chat a lot, but if you heard everything, you know, I didn't have the same journey as every other entrepreneur. Um but that was my journey and we're doing great. So um, don't feel weird if your journey is not the same as maybe what you read in a textbook or maybe, uh, you know, feel comfortable, feel feel proud of what you've already accomplished and just keep putting in the work. Um, and that's what we do every day at, at Social Thrive. <laughs> so you can um, go to our website, socialthrive.com. Um, our Instagram is uh, at socialthriveboss, B-O-S for Boston. Um, and my uh, Instagram, if you want, is <laughs> Christine Resendez. Uh, so yeah, feel free to reach out. I have any questions. I'm always here. Happy to connect with, um, any other entrepreneurs. If you have questions, uh, or even in the industry, if you have a question about, you know, where digital marketing or advertising is headed in 2022, anything like that, we're more than happy to chat. Cool. Thank
0: you so much. Oh my gosh. Thanks for coming on.
1: No, I've had a blast. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to Quotable, a female millennial entrepreneur podcast, wherever you listen. So you won't miss the next episode and leave a review on iTunes. So other people will be able to find us easily. Also, don't be shy to get in touch with me or anyone you've heard on the show. We're all about connecting and our Instagram handles and contact links are always in the show notes or online at quotablemediaco.com slash podcast. If you want to join the community of other female millennial entrepreneurs, Join our Facebook group by searching female millennial entrepreneurs on Facebook. Talk to you soon and see you there.